Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Scott. You're listening to Coffee and Books. I am your hostess with the mostest. I am the podcast king. No, just kidding. Um, I like talking, obviously, and doing the podcast. Podcast is going really well. Um, again, if you're a new listener, welcome. This is the podcast where I talk about different coffee and different books. Uh, so we can have a little bit of both to talk about today. But today's book is called The Allies by Winston Groom. Winston Groom is best known as the author of Forrest Gump, which was, of course, turned into a best-selling movie of all time featuring Tom Hanks. It is one of my all-time favorite movies, too. So if you haven't seen that, you definitely need to. Uh, So Winston Groom is known for writing books about history, in particular the era he grew up in, but he also writes books about the Civil War. He writes books about World War II and Vietnam and pretty much any major historical event in the U.S. history. The Allies in particular focuses on, of course, as I'm sure you know, the United States ally powers being, uh, in particular in this case, we're talking about their leaders, um, you know, Stalin, Roosevelt, and Churchill. So I'm sure all of you know about that and have had your history lessons and learned how these three men have shaped the world. But what makes this book so interesting to me is that it's about 442 pages, I would say, and it goes by pretty quickly. It came out a couple years ago, and came out in 2018, Um, and the reason why I recommend it is because it goes on and talks about the individual history behind each person, and talks about their motives for being the way they are. So obviously, the most interesting one to me is Stalin, because I don't understand you know, anything about Stalin, other than the fact that, you know, he was a murderer, and he was someone who was in charge of the Soviet Union, you know, yes, he did fight the Nazis, but, you know, I don't understand, you know, a lot of what he did, and this book does a great job of explaining, well, you know, he was kind of paranoid, and he was also kind of dealing with a lot, and, you know, he was pretty much a criminal most of his life, and then to be put in charge of a country, you know, it, it had some consequences there. You uh, kind of learned about the motivations for Roosevelt. Roosevelt hiding the fact that he was, you know, crippled by polio, and that most people didn't even know that he was wheelchair-bound during his presidencies. Um, you know, like, it's amazing how many terms, you know, Roosevelt ran and succeeded. I mean, we can't even begin to go open that whole thing up. I mean, can you imagine today if a, a leader of a country was just like, yep, yeah, I'm permanently the leader from now on, you know, but it wasn't that case with Roosevelt. He ran each time, and he won by a large margin, too, usually. Um, but anyway, and then you got Churchill, who is, of course, the, you know, true spirit of, I think, the British people, and does a fantastic job of talking about his determination where he came from. Okay, so let's kind of analyze this. All right, you have three powers that are fighting against the Axis powers, primarily. These three powers each have their own motivations, so let's break it down. What is the motivations behind England? Okay, so England's motivation for World War II, obviously, isolationist policy did not want to be involved in war after World War I, um, did not want to fight Nazi Germany. Unfortunately, it let Nazi Germany, along with France, you know, like England and France, basically didn't do enough to probably keep Hitler in check. Okay, so isolationists did not want to do it, but Winston led the charge into, we have to do something, we have to prepare. It was his leadership, his skill, and calm during the crisis that led to um, everyone, you know, basically getting to be uh, better. 
you know, and he, you know, he was there at their worst, you know, like when everything seemed to be crumbling around them and, you know, there was just this little tiny island to fight off all of Europe, like that was a huge deal. So England's motivations for the war, primarily, obviously, keeping everyone safe um, in their home country, um, but they also had a long history of colonialism, which we'll see kind of led to this whole thing. Um, you know, like, because of England, England's colonial past and history, it kind of led to uh, many countries kind of having their own opinions about whether or not they wanted to be aligned with the British Empire or if they wanted to be independent. And part of that factor is what led to countries like Germany kind of rising um, because they did not have the same resources that England has, but still wanted to be a world power. Okay, so England's motivations. What were the United States motivations? Okay, so again, after World War I, same kind of story, did not want to get involved in the war, and in fact, uh, dragged going into the war as long as possible. Um, so I've always wondered this. I've always felt like as a student of history, I didn't quite understand, you know, being so closely aligned, what prevented the United States from going into uh, the war sooner? And I think what it comes down to is the motivation of Roosevelt, the leader. And to me, Roosevelt knew what was going on, but he couldn't stop it. He couldn't have, he couldn't have the backing. He needed the backing of the American people. And unfortunately, I don't say he knew about anything ahead of time, but he probably knew there would have to be an incident or an attack or something to convince the American people that, you know, this is a, a, you know, a dangerous time and we have to defend the world. I think that's basically what he did. I think he knew it was coming, but he didn't know when and where. And this book does a great job of kind of like hinting at that. Like, you know, the Roosevelt's motivations were, I need to keep America safe. I need to get everyone recovered after the stock market crash. And I need to get Americans working again. Um, but, you know, they, the book goes over to Lend-Lease program, which I'm surprised, honestly, other Axis powers didn't declare war sooner. Um, if you don't know, the Lend-Lease program is the program that the United States used to lend their war materials to other countries. This is how they got around an embargo. So instead of selling their weapons, which was considered illegal to war countries at war, what the U.S. did was, I'm going to loan you my aircraft carrier. I'm going to loan you my battleship. And that's what they did. They just loaned supplies, quote-unquote loaned, to the Soviet Union and to Great Britain. Okay. Then we got Stalin's motivations. And Stalin is the most complicated person there is probably in this whole entire story. Hold on a second to pause for a brief coffee sip. I'm, I'm drinking my coffee while I'm talking to you. Okay. So, what's the deal with the Soviet Union? All right, so Soviet Union was basically considered a grave threat to the Western capitalists even before, uh, you know, the Nazis came to really power. It was during World War One. That was when the revolution basically happened, took Russia out of the war. Now the Soviets are in charge. In particular, now you have this crazy madman who's in charge, who's murdered millions of his own people you know, for just the sake of progress, I might add, um, you know, like he is in charge and, uh, the allies don't know how to treat him in particular, any country, France, you know, Western capitalist country, um, England, also capitalist country, especially England and especially Churchill did not know how to treat Stalin as he was considered not necessarily for Western, Western countries. He was just there. 
In fact, Hitler, actually the Nazis, signed a Soviet-German non-aggression pact, meaning they did not want to attack each other. But Hitler, of course, as we know from history, betrayed this, and that's what led the Soviets to fight the Germans. So I have this theory in history, if, the, if Hitler wasn't stupid and didn't betray the Soviets, they probably would have stayed, well, not fighting each other. I think they would have eventually fought one another, and I think maybe the Germans could have won that if they had you know, played their cards correctly. But because Hitler decided we're going to surprise attack Russia in winter, terrible idea, especially if you've read anything about Napoleon, um, you know that that is pretty much just the worst possible thing to do. Hitler's soldiers basically got all the way to Stalingrad, um, a.k.a. St. Petersburg, and then were pushed all the way back to Germany, you know, through a whole a cold, hellish winter that basically meant, uh, you know, like over years, the destruction of Hitler's army. And also, Hitler's also have to remember fighting war on multiple fronts, too. And when the United States, as we see, enters the war, they have their own methods of how they want to fight and defeat the Germans. Of course, um, okay, so let's talk more about the motivations. Uh, so, as we said, Hitler ended up betraying Stalin, and that's what ended up causing Stalin to join the Allies. But did Stalin trust the Allies? Well, the truth is, probably not. Um, as much as we endorse and say, you know, the Russians did the right thing during World War II and they helped us defeat this great evil, the Russians pretty much were just as bad, if not, you know, about the same level. I mean, the difference between Stalin and Hitler, unfortunately, is that Stalin killed his own people and Hitler killed, well, pretty much, well, anyone. I mean, Stalin did too, and Stalin took over countries too, mind you, but the difference is is that Stalin focused for the longest time on killing his own people, whereas, again, Hitler declared war on other countries and, well, pretty much, you know, started killing other people. Um, there's a term that both of the ideologies and extreme extremists used, um, in particular in Germany and in particular in Russia, which is called living space. They needed to create living space for their people. And that is why they called it liquidation. They often killed innocent people because they needed those villages, those spaces, those resources, whatever they needed for their master race of people that they were trying to create or their workers. So, like I said, it's scary that both ideologies opposed one another, even though they're pretty much the same extreme fascist slash um, dictatorship example. Okay, so what did I think overall of the book? Like I said, love it, recommend it. Um, like I said, I'm I'm interested in anything that's World War II related. Um, I just read a book, like obviously, on Casablanca and their history in World War II. I'm not opposed to learning about topics in history that I don't know about, but you know, considering I don't always know everything, I I always insist that like every time I read something about World War II, I learn something new. This book is no different, and uh, like I said you should check it out. So anyway, if you like this podcast, please be sure to share it with a friend. Uh, so that's Scott and that's all for today. Stay tuned for a coffee episode next.